0: And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. We're a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 14 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans.
1: Good evening, I'm Roberta Radovich. Hey. hey! In today's broadcast, you'll also hear what events are happening locally and what's relevant in the African American world of news all in the next hour on Bring It On.
0: But first, the Black Film Center Archive was established in 1981 as the first archival repository dedicated to collecting, preserving, and making available historically and culturally significant films by and about Black people.
1: The Black Film Center and Archive's primary objectives are to promote scholarship on Black film and to serve as an open resource for scholars, researchers, students, and the general public, to encourage creative film activity by independent black filmmakers, and to undertake and support research on the history, impact, theory, and the aesthetics of black film traditions.
0: Along with a tremendous 2018-19 academic year programming, films and discussion the mission of the black film center archive includes expanding the film collection of historic and current films by and about blacks encouraging the continuation of creative film activity by independent black filmmakers undertaking and encouraging research in the history meaning and, as- and aesthetics of black film and guiding and supporting students and researchers in black film studies
1: We've invited Dr. Terry Francis, director of the IU Black Film Center and Archive and associate professor of cinema and media studies to come on and provide a review of the past academic year and to preview the exciting things to come this semester.
0: And joining her also is IU professor of French and Italian uh, studies, Vincent Bouchard, to discuss a symposium on African filmmaker filmmaker Pauline Vieira, Professor Bouchard's focus includes various forms of media as it relates to literature, cinema, telephone, radio, and the internet.
1: A fascinating study of his includes sound and image synchronization. That sounds fascinating. The electrification of the audio video image, the mediation of orality, the live commentary during screenings, and the effects of remediation. Dr. Francis and Dr. Bouchard, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yay. And as mm-hmm. always, it's
0: great to uh, to have Dr. Francis on. Can, can we dispense with formalities? If if, if I can call you, Terry, I, you can call me Clarence. You know what? I yeah. think we're friends <laughs> now. <laughs> okay. you know, it's been a few
1: visits. So All yeah, right. All let's right. do that. And I'd also like to extend, instead of using up time to call the Black Film Center and Archive, B.F. C A is that okay? will do for the rest of the okay. evening. It's always good
0: to get permissions up front. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, we have had you on before. You're not a stranger to bring it on. And and as I told you earlier, every time you come on, our ratings go through the roof, and they they buy us nice things <laughs> after you leave. And oh. but we have had oh, conversations after, I after, leave. after. No, well, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's good job, Clarence, and Roberta. Great job. Um, we have talked a lot about uh, films that have just been released, meaning this is a past conversation, we have had a very fascinating conversation with this, the daughter of a uh, film producer who was featured uh, at the BFCA. Now, there are other interesting things that are going on, and of course, let's talk about last year and all that sort of transpired, and, sure. and your your highlights, and uh, the aha moments, and then those moments that oh either wow. we need to do this again, or maybe we could tweak this a little bit.
2: <laughs> I it's hard to pick a highlight. I loved it all. Um, well, pretend
0: like this is your review.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's funny you should ask that because I have been kind of processing, okay, mm-hmm. um, and thinking back through the different series. Um, Michael Schultz was here. Um, Michael Schultz is a um, is a, a television director and um, and I think he's probably best known as a filmmaker. He made Cooley High. Um, uh, what was that oh my goodness um, Crush Groove crush Groove thank you very much <laughs> um, and I remember that I I mean I was excited to meet him but I didn't love his films super 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 much um because I don't know have you guys seen Cooley high not in well
0: oh my well, gosh years I, well, well well you know those when this when this came kind of, out when uh-huh. this came out this was the film to see if you were anybody you went to see a I was knee high, high to a cricket. And, at that time, well, well so. I was above a cricket. Now, <laughs> you went to see it. And, of course, it thrust you into, you know, Chicago, urban Chicago. And I, I grew up in Gary, Indiana. So there's this immediate sort of identification. And we laughed because we can identify with a lot of what preach. And um, I forgot his counterpart went through. But then, of course, you know, you laughed, you cried. And at the end, you did cry. But then again, they had this Mm -hmm. uh, top-selling soundtrack that went with it, uh, that even today if we played it, and I debated whether or not to play it sometime during this interview, uh, it would conjure up, you know, memories Mm -hmm. from a lot of people. But it was held as a movie, if I recall, in your blog post that um, sort of introduced a certain insight into the black community. It sort of broke stereotypes um, and talked about how friendship was everything, and it didn't portray all the black males, of course, as thugs or hootlums. Right. There, there were elements of that in the film, but it had a lot of messages and themes, and it sort of crossed new ground. Right. Uh, and it was sort—I would say—it uh, was not black exploitation, but it all. was sort of ahead of its time. So, Coolie High ranks up in my book as one of those movies that, uh, if if you want to, I don't go on Netflix or whatever, you might. I mean, did I just advertise? Uh, you did. Oh, I did, didn't you? Cancel that, man. Uh, <laughs> there's a store around the corner that 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 uses UCDs or whatever. But get you know if you get the movie, that's not a call to action. Check the movie out. I think you'll agree that it uh, had a lot to offer and had some really um, riveting themes and messages.
2: Well, when I saw it, <laughs> <laughs> I thought these guys are. Really beautiful, but they're very knuckleheaded. And I was just oh, like yeah. not excited about them at all. But then, you know, there's always there was an aha moment. When I saw how beautiful the film was shot, mm-hmm. there's a sequence at this house party mm-hmm. that is just glorious. Mm-hmm. Glorious. Everyone looks amazing. The way the camera moves through the space, the light. It just looks like a um I mean, everyone looks like a real movie star. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, so there is this part of it that is about this like groundedness in the city of Chicago, and then this this other part of it that just feels really mythic. Mm. And I don't know. I guess I just didn't see it, and then when I saw it, though, I was mm-hmm. very struck by it.
0: Well, um, uh, Lawrence Hilton Hilton Jacobs and Glenn Thurman. I think they they both debuted, mm-hmm. or maybe not debuted, in that movie. And they went on to their own uh, right. meteoric rise. Um, right. One went on ultimately to be on a different world, uh, Glenn Thurman.
1: Oh, right. oh that's correct. That's right. And then
0: Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, of course, Deleese's, we remember
1: Deleese's him. old husband.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're so wrong. Okay, we're yeah, going down yes. a different path. here. Wait, wait. Oh.
1: But also, am I
2: wrong or is he currently on Queen Sugar right now?
0: He might be. Oh, he, or
2: he, he might or be. was. I mean, he, I don't think he is right this second. Mm-hmm. I might be confusing two different actors. Mm. Or Claws. I feel like I'm i I've seen Glenn. And, and, and well recently. Lawrence Hilton
0: Jacobs, of course, went on to yeah. be a sweat hog on Welcome Back Carter. Right on. And some other things. What's uh, happening? some other what's no. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs was not on What's Happening. Uh that was uh, Raj was right. Um, he was also from Gary, Indiana.
2: I didn't know no, that yeah.
0: Raj was from um well, anyway. Anyway, and so but see, now I'm We'll take watch. caller number three. Uh, call in uh, 323-1200. <laughs> Help a brother and sister out today. But anyway,
2: but I'll just say that even though I worked on the series a lot, I still discovered it as mm-hmm. it was happening. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. was really exciting. Then, of course, meeting Michael Schultz and Gloria Schultz and just getting to be part of their world for a few days. Like, they're both really um, – very deep thinkers but very mm-hmm. lighthearted mm-hmm. at the same time so yeah. it was easy to spend time with them and they loved their time here and um i don't know it's just a really wonderful visit i think that was in i want to say november okay um that w- series was called young gifted and black um and you know the uh, moving image archive has been working on digitizing young gifted and black okay. um, that was michael schultz's first um mm-hmm you know, first, uh, work on television and it's an adaptation of, um, Lorraine Hansberry's, um, uh, memoir. Okay. And well, so, yeah, so we got to show him that and he left us notes for color correction and so yeah. forth. So it was good. Good well, visit. And,
0: and not that I don't, I don't want to spend really a lot of time on this other than to say, we want to get you back to talk about some of the, uh, signature series that mm-hmm. came on. Um, of course, uh, Good Times was one shot in supposedly shot in Chicago. Then I found out it was shot in California. Mm. Um and and met them at uh well met um uh, uh Michael and the daughter, um from Good Times. Uh Oh uh Thelma. Thelma no, or no, no, no not Thelma. Th- Thelma. um
3: The oldest daughter, Thelma. It is is a good time. time. Met them at
0: Black Expo of all places. No kidding. Took a picture with uh, Thelma at the time, and I have it at home. My, My wife gave me permission to leave it up on his shelf <laughs> and but Michael I, I looked at him five or twenty times and he, he was he was older but yet the s- same size <laughs> but you know wow, and wow. I was I said man aren't you it so but mm-hmm. yeah that was and I thanked them both for for what they accomplished mm-hmm. during that time I mean they followed the Ford administration they followed all these different presidential administrations they were always mm-hmm. about to achieve but then this setback and yeah, mm-hmm. And they and then they kind of threw together an ending to that series that really didn't make a lot of sense, and then they got rid of James, which of course you know
2: mm. he took um, that job on the pipeline, right He went to Alaska
0: yeah, and set the brother off to freeze, and then mm-hmm. you know and and then that's the thing it was an intact family for all those years, and then mm-hmm. James has to go.
1: And if you're just tuning in (laughs) right now, we're talking with uh, uh, Terry Francis from Indiana University's Black Film Center and Archive, and Dr. Vincent Brashad from the the Department of Italian and French. French, (laughs) yes. Thank you so much. And so we are having a a fantastic conversation about sitcoms. But now we're going to transition. Yes, we're going to transition to to more serious uh... into a. a, um, Dr. Francis is family. She's been here before, but Dr. Bouchard, this is his first time. So we want you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit, and I would actually like you to help break down some of the kinds of words that we used earlier to introduce you. I want to know what effects of remediation means. (laughs) I want to understand the mediation of orality. I want to understand the electrification of audiovisual image. And I definitely want to know more about your digitalization expertise as it relates to film in general?
3: If you want to know everything, come to my seminar. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we don't have time here to, to discuss all these complex topics, but basically what I'm working on is exactly what we are doing here. Oh, Radio is electrification. That's, uh, we are a s- uh, sending a signal. We are uh, having a conversation here, but the conversation will be recorded, will be broadcasted. That's exactly what I'm working oh. on. So, <laughs> so basically that's uh, remediation. That's only a different complex term to say, we are always doing the same thing. What's important is the link, uh, the the human link between people, the conversation, the community, what's put the community together. So all times you need to speak to people if you want to keep the community together. Now we have radio, we can record things, we can send signal over space and time. That's the same thing in a different way so
1: that's as simple as that but for
3: for a more complex description come to my seminar (laughs) absolutely
1: so tell us a little bit about you where i mean you're clearly from france but how do you make your way to indiana university
3: Uh, in a very complex way i got my phd from university of montreal and another one from uh, paris Sorbonne. And uh, my first position was in Louisiana, a very interesting uh, position. I learned a lot and uh, um, it it was a great way to to, to start in academia. And I had a chance to to start at IU and to have a very great colleague like uh, Terry and to create some great projects. So now I'm here.
1: Fantastic. And how do you both come together to become partners to do some Mm -hmm. of the film work, uh, the film projects? that you're doing for the students and the campus community? Well,
2: we um, we started at IU in the same year. So a lot of the orientation programs, we were both there together. And um, Vincent always stood out to me because not only what did he say, oh, your work sounds really interesting, but he actually read it, <laughs> and
3: like. We, we, and we are working on similar stuff, that's amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I just always really respected and remembered that.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: And, um, and uh, I don't know, and then just has a great way of talking about his work. He came to my graduate seminar, um, I think within that first year, maybe the second year, and just has always been someone kind of in my orbit of people who'd be interesting to work with. And then an opportunity presented itself, an opportunity presented itself. And here we are.
1: Wow. Well, do you want? Would you like to tell us a little bit more about? Uh, re- we 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 started down the road of recapping yeah. last semester, yeah, yeah. but would you like to share a little bit about what you're building out? Um, sure. For the upcoming academic yeah. year. Yeah.
2: I mean, in a way, it's kind of continuing. Um, uh, we show films that are contemporary. We show older films. We show films. Um, made in the USA, we show Caribbean films and African films, European films. Right, it's a big range. So um, the program that um, that Vincent and I are working on together fits into that. Um, because it's focused on an African filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really started with an email. Like sometimes things end with an email. <laughs> and this <laughs> kind of began with an email. Um, it actually it actually began in two ways. There was an email and then before then there was a tweet that I saw about Paul and Vieira. And um, I'd never heard of him. And a friend of mine tweeted the, a, um, a link to his uh, 1955 film. Um, uh, Paris on the Seine and he said this is the first African film ever made and I was like why don't I know mm. about mm. this <laughs> seems like something I should have heard of before and um, and then that same week I got an email from um, a friend and colleague of Vincent's Rachel uh, Gabera. Gabera, Gabera, um who said so um, I was talking to the son of Paul and Vieira, and um, he is interest. he's looking for a home for, you know, his father's um, materials, the legacy. Um, oh, un- wow. Yeah, unpublished manuscripts, film prints, photographs, um, all kinds of, you know, delicious and yummy things for us.
1: So IU is the home for it's that repository? Not yet. Yeah, yet. It could not be. Not yet. Oh. It could okay. be. It could be. Um What
2: I decided to do is to kind of explore that idea. Um, So I immediately reached out to Vincent um, and I said, you know, do you know who this guy is? (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, because you kind of always want to know, do I want to get involved with this? Do I need to take this seriously or do I just politely send this person on her way? But it was in my mind kind of like, this is the second mention of this person that I've had in two in two days. So maybe something is afoot and I should get into the cosmic swing of things. So, um, yeah, so I reached out to
1: Vincent. So so who is this Paul and Vera
3: um, not easy to describe because it was almost uh, everything in terms of cinema in West Africa, at the beginning of cinema in West Africa, mm-hmm. at the end of the colonization, the period of independence so 1955, then the, uh, the 60s.
1: Such a critical time. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. uh, very important and basically created everything. Uh, news, uh, cinematographic news. Uh, he was a, produ- a producer, for example, he was a producer of Sam Ben Ousman. Uh, he was a filmmaker of course he was uh, a film critic he was a film historian he helped to create uh, festivals he was uh, uh, um, uh, very helpful with young filmmakers he created uh, a filmmaker association so he's almost everything but we kind of Forget about him, and yeah. uh, uh, he wrote the first book about uh, African cinema, history of francophone African cinema. Uh, uh, no, uh, African cinema in French, but uh, mm-hmm. but we, we we need to to speak more about him now. That's time to, to, yeah. to revive the the legacies. It's a good time, and I think there is kind of a movement right now. People are getting interested in this project, so that's that's cool. That, yeah,
1: definitely. Uh,
2: yeah, and I think I just I once I learned about him. I wondered why no one like, how did he kind of fade into the background? And I think it's because, you know, he was doing the kind of work that does end up in the background, right? The curator, the bureaucrat, right? The administrator, Mm -hmm. um, the person who um, is kind of sponsoring things and putting things together. Your name isn't the one out front. So like, you know, as a curator and administrator and professor and historian myself, like I completely get that.
1: And new technology is happening so quickly at that time Mm -hmm. as well. Mm, So positioning people for success who are younger coming in yeah. with new knowledge. Yeah.
2: yeah. Fascinating. So yeah. I was just struck by the generosity that I think that must have taken for him and the brilliance, the um, just his clarity of vision, I think, um, is is just really worth honoring. And um, and you know, we have the Usman Senben papers at Indiana University, Usman Senben being Um, you know giant of African cinema um, and of world cinema and of cinema and so to have these two kind of collaborators um, together again you know here in Indiana would be um,
3: awesome yeah the best thing
2: (laughs) would be awesome the best thing yeah
0: if if you were to compare uh, an African director uh, in his and his or her craft with an American director Mm. uh would you say that the african director would focus on this maybe the more so the politics on that continent or the beauty of that continent um or or would they create characters who say like here had interaction chemistry or or maybe opposing each other or whatever how would you describe the two
3: it's not easy to give a generalization because Africa mm-hmm. is huge, and mm-hmm. uh, the, there's different languages. Uh, colonization was different in every country. every um, um. So it's not easy to, 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 to give a general idea of that. But th- the main thing, specifically in the 60s, is the independence. And what struck me with these young filmmakers at the time, they were creating a new world. They were creating a post-colonial world, and that's so interesting because you, you need to create everything. You, you need to create uh, the way to make movies. You need to create new ways to do things. You need to create new interaction between languages, between uh, vernacular languages and the old colonial language, it was kind of disturbing because that's a. Uh, language from the power, but that's a very interesting language because mm-hmm. you can communicate with others. So mm-hmm. there is kind of, lots of complex things, complex topics to deal with. And what struck me with Vera, he was perfectly aware of that. In all his interviews, books, everything, is explaining that in a very simple manner, not giving simple solutions because there is no solution, but explaining the situation. Okay, we are stuck in this problem, and that's not a problem of black and white, French and Senegalese. We are all. In this problem, and we the solution is all together trying to find to solve a problem we, we got from uh, the legacy from our ancestor, and is very very clear with that building bridge, uh, trying to create some uh, cultural understanding between European between African with uh, uh, American people too, and uh, in, in a very. At the same time, in a very simple way, a s- simple language, but without simplification, and mm-hmm. I, I like that very much. Very he's very good at it.
1: He's creating without, and I'm speaking ignorantly here because I haven't w- watched any of the film, but he's creating, I know the time period, and he's creating at a really volatile time period internationally, mm-hmm. and we find ourselves in a volatile time period right now, sure. internationally. Mm-hmm. So what can we learn by returning to that mm-hmm. moment about the moment that we find ourselves right now?
3: That's what I think more interesting about Vera is uh, a key figure. We, we, we need this type of intellectual, putting people together. Uh, bringing communities together, more sh- showing what uh, we have in common more than what uh, we have in difference. I do And, agree and that. that's, Absolutely. that's so interesting, specifically now, specifically in this country. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we need more people like that, more intellectual figures like that than the reverse. Mm-hmm. And that's something we, w- which motivates me a lot right now because I think there is a, a real need for that. Yeah.
1: Wow,
0: well, what a novel idea. Uh, focusing on our commonalities and bringing folks together. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, we could learn a lot about that in America right now. Um, you spoke, Dr. Francis, of um, perhaps of archiving his work or being the repository for his, or mm-hmm. depository or repos- no, right. repository of his work. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Do you need, of course, space or is it more digital space? Well,
2: you know, the digital also takes up physical space. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so I think, but I, so I think that's right. That the one of the questions is going to be space. One of the questions will be um, the time to uh, to catalog it and to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions will eventually be access. And um, and if digitization is part of this, then what does that mean? Um, but first, we need to know the scope of the collection, mm-hmm. um, the conditions of the different materials, and just how much of of everything there is to work with, and the and then also what translations might be necessary.
0: Legally, you become the owner, or or I mean. I guess legal, mm-hmm. i.e. legal needs to get involved. But, yeah. but what does that mean? I mean, you become the owner of this work.
2: We become the caretaker. Caretaker, mm-hmm. okay. And that caretaking can take on different forms. Okay. So it's really, all of that happens in negotiation with the donor. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Sometimes the donor can retain um some form of rights to some of the materials sometimes it's only for a specific period of time um of course um most repositories like to have everything outright um and to be you know so that they're free to create the access for researchers or you know um students uh people in the public who might want to use it but it does vary Mm -hmm. um it does vary a little bit. So we'll just have to figure out, you know, what Mr. Vieira would like to do, uh, what his needs and interests are, um, and then, you know, what um, the Black Film Center Archive, or if we're working with the Lilly Library, what we can do together,
1: um, you know, on the collection. Okay. If you're listening and just tuning in, we're listening um, and talking with Terry Francis, IU you Uh, professor and director of the Black Film Center archive as well as um, professor uh, Vincent Burchard from Italian and French and we're talking tonight about black film African film, diasporic film, lots of films yeah, going and on. And, and, <laughs> and, and good times. And good times. <laughs> and good times. And I wanted to ask you really quickly before we move on. We just have so many things. I know we're kind mm-hmm. of darting do, all I over lo- the place. I love that about um, being here. But I wanted to ask, is it is the Black Film Center and Archive, is that unique? Is that a unique... Uh, entity. Are there other black film centers and archives at other institutions across the United States at colleges and universities? No, yes and no. Okay.
2: Um, So um, the Black Film Center Archive was founded by Phyllis Klotman and it was the first, you know. Um, It's completely dedicated to black film and, you know, which has lots of different meanings, um, as we've discussed, you know, from TV to film, uh, blockbusters, obscure things, um, things that are um, culturally significant, and those that are about to be culturally significant, right. And, uh, and not only are we an historical repository, but we're also a living, breathing center um, of bringing people together to talk about, you know, black film right now. So but we do have peers, um, you know, this when the BFCA was founded, there was no um, Smithsonian um, National Museum for American um, history. Yeah, oh. right. So they have a moving image division. Oh, and okay. um, and they function as both a museum, um, a screening venue, and uh, an historical repository an archive. Right? Yeah, okay. and they're also um, they are um, digitizing home movies and home. But, 8mm and, um, and VHS, uh, I believe. Oh,
1: fantastic. Yeah. Wow.
2: Um, we um, now have the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame collection, which was an Oakland, California... Um, enterprise that had a lot of cool parts to it. It had an awards ceremony, it had um, an annual film competition, it had um, sort of a a display center, you know, it was a lot, a lot going on. And now all of those things are part of our collection. Um, And those I think they were founded around the same time. But of course, that was independent founded by um, Mary Perry, um, who was um, a scientist, actually a biologist and movies was her hobby. And as some hobbies do, it kind of took over and <laughs> took kind a of life of its own. Um, so um, yeah, so her 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 enterprise is now part of part of our enterprise. So I mean, yes, it's unique, but we do have friends. You know, the Schomburg um, Center for Black Research. Mm. I feel like I said that completely. That is not the name. The Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, has um, has a moving image division. Oh, um, right. Okay. Sound, and, um, sound and moving image. So um, it's different. It's not the same, right? That's part of the public library. Um, The Smithsonian, of course, is an enormous um, institution, and we are housed in a university. So these are our friends, our peers, that we interact with and work with. Um, But we have a unique mission, I think here in Indiana, here at a college campus, and I think at this college campus.
1: It's a a unique opportunity to think about what we put into the world. And if if the listening audience was interested in giving or connecting with you.
2: Yeah, well, we um, have a donor page. Um, we happily accept um, large and small uh, donations to support the mission, right? That's through the IU Foundation, and um, and we'll we'll consider if you're thinking about donating, if you have home movies, if you have um, uh, I don't know something that you think is of historic value. Well, then posters, let's perhaps. Talk about- yeah, let's talk about it. Let's have a look yeah. and see whether it fits into the mission, what the condition is, um, and whether and what it really brings. You mm-hmm. know, because sometimes what's important to us may only be important to us. But sometimes actually the things that are important to us really speak to much broader mm-hmm. cultural questions. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can only find out with conversation. So
0: so my my photo with Thelma may not command. It
2: may. Then. Let's have a look. Okay.
0: All right. Um, we could find, the, a, restaurant. Could
1: we could f- find f- a restaurant <laughs> pop also, that thing up. But also, why would you want to part with it, There you though? go. That's
0: a good way to tell well, a potential I, donor isn't, without isn't, breaking their heart. Okay, See. without
1: going into a rabbit hole, isn't that ultimately <laughs> the question of why? I mean, isn't that the ultimate question? with people parting with personal material mm-hmm. items and right. giving them over to the National Museum? Oh, I think so.
2: I mean, it's, I think a, a lot of us, and I've actually talked to like Ina Archer and some of the other archivists at um, at the Blacksonian, and um, that we always talk about what we do is care work. And so it's, um, you're dealing with someone's heirlooms. Right. There, it might be um, the leavings of a spouse, <clears throat> um, or some, you know, a treasured family member, um, a parent. Uh, I've been um, working with quite a few parents, like with um, uh, sorry, uh, children um, who are caring for their parents' legacy, right? That's probably Mm -hmm. a more common scenario. So like with us, like Vincent and I are talking with Stefan Vieira who has been, um, I think, doing a heroic job of managing his father's legacy and really promoting it through website. He's digitized a couple of the films and has um, made sure that they're seen. He screened um, one of the short films lamb which is a film kind of about wrestling about other things but kind of about wrestling um he screened at can in france um a couple of years ago so really he's kind of you know he's um i think that has to be a very special relationship to um to parent your parents legacy right nina collins who clarence you and i talked to last spring Um, You know, she and I worked together, um, or actually, I guess we didn't, she really did the bulk of the work. I think restoring her mother's work, um, her film, and now publishing two books of her mother's writings. And, um, And I've seen her ambivalence at the start. Uh, because it means um, returning to the pain of her mother's death. Mm-hmm. It's the um, it's all of the complicated feelings that we have about our parents. Um, it's also dealing with your parent as an adult. Like you're an adult, but also you have to think about your parent as apart from you, mm-hmm. right? So with Nina, she's publishing her mother's diaries. So she's going to read her diary. Right. Something that had her mother lived, she probably wouldn't have done. So there are all of these private reflections um, that she's now privy to and that like we're now privy to. Mm-hmm. And um, and just to see how she has, um, I think, mothered herself through caring for her mother's legacy but as her mother died so young she's also you know Kathleen Collins is also still caring for Nina um you know after death so i i um hmm. i i take the work uh, i i think it's a sacred work mm-hmm. in that sense and that you have to be very sensitive to when someone wants to give you something, that they're trusting you right. with this, and mm-hmm. that it's really a beautiful relationship that has to be, you know, cultivated over time and respected, and mm-hmm. both on the technical side, um, and and also on just understanding its, you know, value side.
0: Well, well, one thing I'll share right now, just observing how you described the emotion, the, the psychology. Um, in the reality of, of learning that you, or, or coming to grips with perhaps parting with a family heirloom or treasured memories or um, maturing very fast to go through some some relics or some mm-hmm. some history mm-hmm. and process it with a thought in mind of, well, wow, I'm gonna share this with the public. The way you just described that whole process gives me comfort in that you definitely know how to talk to perhaps that family member who's been thinking about this for maybe five or 10 years or maybe longer since grandma and grandpa passed on that we have held on to this particular piece of history that we know can benefit a lot of people but we want to make sure that it's going to be handled with care and that it's going to be respected that it's going to be um, taken care of Um, and the, what would you just share with us, I, I could feel what you perhaps, some of the, those conversations that you had mm-hmm. to have. That, that's not an easy conversation. It's almost like preparing a, a will and testament, yeah. plan, a plan gift, what have, what have you. But oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that is phenomenal. One thing I did want to talk about in some of the remaining time we have is that you partner with the Eskenazi School. Sure. Yeah. Of art and architecture and design, but mm-hmm. but on a level that they uh, recognize the works of Africans and African Americans and the like. I, I want to talk a little bit about Rough and Unequal, a film by Kevin Jerome Everson. Are can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I was struck by the I descriptor. Love that uh-huh. Well, I mean, but I love
2: them all. But, it, <laughs> but this
0: this <laughs> yeah. really had me thinking out of the box because yeah. the the way this gentleman uh, produces film you really have to uh, you know, come with an open mind because he's gonna go inside his mind, outside his mind and project his thoughts against things that are inanimate or whatever, and hence Rough and Unequal. And so can you, I, I sort of set it up a little bit, but can you go ahead yeah. and talk about that?
2: So Rough and Unequal is an installation of two 16 millimeter films. It's a loop of the moon. And it's an 11-minute film that will be played on, I guess, on repeat. It'll, it's physically on a loop, uh, but you can think of it as being on repeat. And it'll be on view, uh, I want to say, Tuesday through Saturday. Is the Grunwald open on Saturday? <laughs> yes. Um, from I think noon to four o'clock. So, and it's part of the Grunwald Gallery. The Grunwald mm-hmm. Gallery um, has um, temporary exhibitions of contemporary art um, throughout the school year and the summer. So Rough and Unequal is, um, I don't know what this title is about. I don't, I mean, it's the way that the installation is set up. It's two mirroring walls, if I recall. So I i wondered if... Um, if he meant that they are they roughly mirror each other, is it about he made it um, during the time of the um, the Unite the Right um, riots in Charlottesville? Mm. So does he mean that this life, that black life, is rough and unequal? I don't know, but I know it's going to be interesting, and well, he'll be here yeah. to talk to us about it on um, Friday, September twenty sixth. Um, we're going to have a noontime talk, and then he and I are going to have a public discussion at, um, I guess, at five o'clock, and um, and then that'll be followed by a reception that we can all um, enjoy together. And not only will we be showing this um, installation about the moon, but we'll also, um, look at a selection of his films with Ross Gay, my colleague in English, who's a poet and known to, and to a lot of us here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it started out, you know, it's the moon landing anniversary, you know, I was going to say the I, timing. So it's is, part is, of that, yeah. Right, no, probably right. purposeful. Uh, right. Yes, that's how it started.
0: And, um,
1: and two two things immediately came to me when I was reviewing yeah, and thinking about that was this idea of the 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 role of film, the importance of film, the role of film, the impact of film in the age of the internet. Hmm. In this mm-hmm. moment that this these pro this right wing extravaganza. I mean, I usually think of the internet as the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's also the static, right? Mm. It's not a very dynamic thing at all. You just sort of see, and there's no periphery. There's no front and back. There's no, How interesting. you know, yeah. and, and so that immediately came to me. And then, of course, it was not lost on me that Ross Gay is going to be with him. And I was thinking about, um, film is poetry, yeah. and, mm-hmm. um, and and how important in this moment. If poetry is that dynamic, living use of language, mm. then how the inter uh, how poetry and film interrupt. Um, the internet oh that's beautiful right I, I didn't mean mm. to get all pontifical and oh, whatnot on the radio uh, you're a woman of,
0: of many many gifts Roberta, <laughs> I, I, and, listen and, uh,
1: I was just so excited yeah so excited at that idea of rough and unequal it mm. really conjures up a lot of mm-hmm. a lot and it'll be really exciting to, yeah. to hear what it conjures up for other people mm. but September. isn't this
0: what art? art achieves, seeks to achieve. That's it, exactly From every right. person, it, it sort of uh, elicits some response, some reaction, a memory, or it just does not connect. Or it may repulse in some ways, but then you challenge yourself, why is this repulsing me? And then it forces you to do the, the heavy thinking, which, let's face it, in, in today's world, we rarely get into really heavy, critical thinking. And it's not until you come past some works of art that, that it makes right. you stop. And, and put your put your cell phone down <laughs> and take a look mm-hmm. and then try to process this.
1: I couldn't have said that better that is so, beautiful. So, That's so you're a exactly woman right.
0: with with many gifts and talents but anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> well,
1: so, so Dr. Burchard so what are your thoughts on especially since you are coming from um, from a very technical place I mean what are your thoughts about the importance of film in the age of the internet?
3: uh broad question. <laughs> <laughs> is. Uh is. I'm, I'm more an historian, so for me, film oh. is very important because, uh, yes, that's uh, the past, but that's where we are coming from, and uh, understanding the past is a good way to understand where we are now. Mm-hmm. And uh, where we are now, I cannot describe it because that's too complex. But Because
1: yeah. <laughs> we're here in the thick of it. And, y- and of it. it's
3: going too fast. Uh, so going a little bit in the past is a good way to slow down the, the process mm. and slow mm. down the, the, the evolution. But film was very important in uh, the human history. The, the fact to record sounds and image together was very important and changed the way where we, we are thinking, basically. So it's... Uh, basically the the purpose of my research but yeah
2: yeah i mean it goes back to something that um i think clarence said earlier about like with um uh materials like will they take up space or will they be digitized and in fact like the digital does take up space and not just in your computer but there are physical spaces right with the servers and that run these things and i think film is so the fact that um You know, Kevin's film is on 16 millimeter film presents us. And I mean, us the organizers with um, issues of space of how to handle the physical material of film, because we I guess we could have a DVD or a Blu-ray that you just put it in and play and it just goes on all day. But that's not what this is. It's another kind of intervention or another kind of shift in our thinking that makes us pay attention to time. Actually, I'm only really repeating what you just said, Clarence, about slowing down and focusing, putting the phone down. Um, And even though we're looking to outer space, I think the physicality of the film gives us something of the human and the mm-hmm. earthly, mm-hmm. I think, at the same time.
3: And it's also a question of uh, <clears throat> ar- archival. Uh, film is a very good archive compared with digi- digitalization. True. In fact, the best archive is paper so far. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we need to keep paper. We, mm-hmm. we, otherwise paper still We, we, matters, we, we yeah. may have yeah. some <laughs> <laughs> trouble soon. So well, it's a digital... good thing with digitalization, sorry, yeah. is we can share share it. And for example, the VRS paper, Uh, Of course, we want to take care of them at IU, we want to uh, work to on this legacy because that's very important for us that's very important right. for Stefan but we can share it right. and for example one of the one part of the project is to share this archive with some students at uh, in Senegal at the University of Dakar mm-hmm. and to find a way to, to share both the Senben paper and the VRS paper with the researchers there so di- when they are digital it's, it's very easy to share and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's wow. a good thing
2: but there, I mean, a lot of archivists, though, are really cautioning us against idealizing digital materials because the formats change so quickly. So if you're going to be sharing them internationally, then you're also managing those changes in all of these places. So there needs to be funding for that and there needs to be the machinery, the know-how, do you know what I mean? So it's it's really very interesting and, um, and complicated um, about how what access means in different places. It's still over a time. very
1: awesome. Um, honorable and idealistic idea mm-hmm. of sharing Sure, sh- sharing in an international but audience. It's idea of
3: university. That? University is sharing knowledge. That's a good thing with knowledge. You can share it. You, you right. keep it. You, you, you create mm-hmm. knowledge. You create new knowledge. And that's what's good with, with our jobs. And so you are doing exactly the same thing. You create knowledge. You are sharing it. And you right. are not losing anything. You are producing yeah. some new cultural uh, stuff, and that's good. It's that's beneficial for everybody, and right. that's what I like with, with this type of production. That's-
1: Dr. Francis, I wanted to ask Absolutely. you about the role, since we're talking about university, the role of the university to propose and manage and engage difficult subject, manage, uh, subject matter with students. Um, how does that work in that, in that space, in that realm of film? Are there some films that are hard for students to engage and there's kind of a politics involved with mm-hmm. that? Yeah, wanna... I, mean,
2: I think that there are films that are hard for students to engage for different reasons. And I am fine with that. I Part of my ability to teach difficult subject matter is I work on my own relationship to the subject matter. Um, so that I'm able to talk about complexity and dark things. Um, I, I have no ambivalence about American history. I know what it was founded on. I have no, I don't know. I'm not confused about what racism is or Mm -hmm. my own identity, um, and so that gives me, I think, grounding to explain to students um, a lot of things that are hard to hear mm-hmm. and that are difficult. Um, you know, that are difficult to talk about. It's it's always there's always a little bit of of heartbreak.
0: <laughs> In a couple of minutes, we have remaining. I, I wanted to ask about um, some of the more some of the uh, exposure that you allow. Meaning, mm-hmm. can John Q and Jane Q public just? come up to the Black Film Center Archive, and if they can, what can they do, what can they not do? Mm. And can groups of uh, individuals come up, say if you're working with youth and you yeah. want to expose them to some things, how would you recommend they best go about doing that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we'd have to figure it out mm. um, because we're not like the Smithsonian. We're not a museum, a public museum in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a specialized location with that's kind of focused inward. Um, But what we can do is create a pop-up exhibit that's curated specifically for a group. And we just need, you know, a few months, a year is good, um, of just time to plan and to think about what, what you guys are actually trying to teach the students and how we can, you know, how we can connect. And I mean, and I think in those cases... It's really about um, the rich history of black filmmaking. It's real. It's more on the, um, these are the, this is the positive, um, sort of the positive representation. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what I do in my classes is probably less of that. But I think, you know, it's for younger kids. Um, and for someone who doesn't, who's hearing about black film history for the first time, your, your goal is really like, oh, there is black film history and, um, this is what's at stake with it. And here are some of the fun things, you know, here are some of the stars, here are some of the institutions that have, you know, made it happen.
0: So maybe if, if, um, there is an educator out there that works with you or someone who, um, is looked up to It is trying to impart and mentor youth or, or anyone, um, mm-hmm. you know, with a group of people or individuals, might you be open to them sitting in one of your classes or might you, with, with proper advance notice, and I think that's mm-hmm. the key thing, maybe um. create a moment, uh, a teachable moment for individuals to come perhaps uh, in the periphery of the center to learn and then maybe a guide a quick walkthrough like ah oh, don't touch but <laughs> just yeah, take that, them yeah, through.
2: Yeah, no, we can always do a visit, right? Okay. Um, a quick walkthrough. Our screenings are open to the public. Okay. Um, I in some ways am open to the public and talking about um, and talking about film. But I just think my classes are you know, have different goals. My okay. classes are not the same
1: as the the black film Center. And another okay. really great way for people to get involved, community members, is to see a film yeah. at the IU Cinema. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I would do. Um, I would
2: just we have um, we have a screening at the IU Cinema September fourteenth at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be two filmmakers in September. We're celebrating women filmmakers, mm-hmm. so it's going to be um, uh, Madeline Hunt and uh, Crystal Campbell showing mm-hmm. uh, two very cool short works and having a conversation. Um, I have a couple of films that are um, more, well, actually those are too, about being haunted. Um, So we'll talk about, um, I guess, kind of Black people in horror. I mean, that's what's hard, I think, about, like, if you're, if you're going to talk about this history, it is a traumatic history, and right. it is a wound that isn't um, really ever going to be healed. It's, it's really lived with, and, um, and you figure out these different kinds of celebrations and different kinds of pleasures, um, but it is a difficult history. It just is. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no Black America without slavery. It's just the way it is, mm-hmm. and that was not like
0: fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, we'll let that that be the uh, last no. word. As we, well, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. I, I wasn't gonna add. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll get this in here right now. um You have a phenomenal podcast, and uh, not podcast, but a blog. How do people Thank access you. the blog? Because yeah. in that you can learn. Yes, lots yeah. of things, mm-hmm. and with the remaining time we have. I'd say about 60 seconds if you could tell us how someone can access the blog, and if Dr. Bouchard, if you have a blog, how can someone Access, but, but go right ahead.
2: You can read our blog. It's on our website, um, which I think is indiana.edu bfca. Mm-hmm. And once you get to that homepage, you will see uh, the link for the blog. You will see the link for our Twitter page, our Instagram, and our Facebook. You can follow us in all those places. Um, in a way, we're always sharing information and screening on social media mm-hmm. in addition to the the movies that we plan so
0: okay well with that our thanks to dr terry francis director of the iu black film center archive and associate professor of cinema and media studies at iu and professor of french and italian dr vincent bouchard they joined us to discuss a wide range of topics related to the iu black film center archives and other uh prestigious projects that they're involved with
1: bring it on is indiana's only public affairs program dediti- dedicated to the african-american community here on wfhb 91.3 fm and live on the web at wfhb.org and
0: yeah, i want to take uh, just a few minutes that we have before we end our show uh... uh Roberta, you've been the most busiest woman in Bloomington.
1: Listen, there's a whole crew of folks who have been pretty well, busy. Well you're last sitting
0: next week. to me, so I could say <laughs> okay. you've been the most busiest person <laughs> because I know uh, that you're a go to person. If they want it done right, it's Roberta Radovich. Oh
1: well thank you for that compliment. Tell
0: us uh what have you experienced over the last week or so? We,
1: we've been celebrating. Indiana University has been celebrating with Indiana Black Expo Incorporated. They uh, they hosted their 49th annual, 49 years, can you believe it, 49th annual Indiana Black Expo Summer Celebration. And Indiana University is a proud sponsor. We've been a diamond sponsor for many, 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 many years, and we've been part of Indiana Black Expo since the very beginning. We are sponsor, title sponsor for the Indiana University Education Conference, mm-hmm. and this year we had the extreme pleasure of being able to award Dr. Sean Harper a Bicentennial Medal, and that was very exciting. Uh, Dr. Harper did his PhD at Indiana University in the School of Education. Um, At the Corporate Luncheon, the Lifetime Achievement Award went to Teddy Riley. Hey! (laughs) So listen to some Teddy Riley tonight to celebrate that brother. And the Entrepreneur of the Year Award went to Dewan McCoy, who recently just picked up a local station. Is Mm. that correct? And that's what I'm read at some point. Um, But he's president and CEO of uh, Bayou City Broadcasting LLC. Mm -hmm. And then the Reverend Charles R. Williams Excellence Award went to Central Indiana Community Foundation. That was a very Mm -hmm. timely and appropriate recognition of their incredible work that they do here in the state of Indiana.
0: Well, we were were very proud to have several representatives on to talk about uh, um, both on the phone and here with us last week to talk about IU's involvement. And uh, this is no small task. Uh, like you said, it's a lot of dedicated people over months preparing to have a presence. And as as I recall, you take one of the main exhibit halls and you walk in and boom, you're transferred. Formed and transferred oh yeah.
1: it's amazing. to IU. The and Big Four, so. the Big Four, are right in the door in Hall yeah. I, immediately off of um, Capitol Avenue. Indiana State, Ivy Tech, Purdue, and of course Indiana University. Mm-hmm. And Indiana University uses that storefront as an opportunity to close the communication gap for the 42% of the Indiana population that's eligible for the 21st Century Scholars Program. So you come on down to Indiana Black Expo for free Mm -hmm. and you can meet with Commission of Higher Education folk in the IU booth. Mm -hmm. We're not recruiting anybody, we just wanna close that communication gap, make sure students are signed up for the 21st Century Scholars Program and then you can check off some of your eligibility requirements that you have right there in the booth. You don't even have to go anywhere. Log those things and Scholar track and keep the students you know moving through that Mm -hmm. pipeline and positioned well for success.
0: Well we're out of time um, as often is the case when we have engaging conversations but I will say that this week uh, the there's a National Urban League conference. That is
1: correct and they are actually still looking for volunteers as well.
0: So I mean here back-to-back opportunities uh, to come and learn about uh, the black experience and get involved in issues related to black folk and our nation and uh, both local and regional.
1: Exactly, and the incredible way that black Americans are making a tremendous impact about what it means to be a civil society in America.
0: Well, Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is On at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is On at wfhb.org.
1: Our show's producer is my good friend, Clarence Boone. With help from WFHB News Department Director... Kyrie, 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 thank you, Greenberg. Tonight's board engineer is is Chantal LaFontaine and our original theme music was created by Jamil F.E.M. with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Roberta.
0: And I'm Clarence Boone. Tune in next Monday, July 29th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB.